This podcast is brought to you by JAM, Junction Arts and Media, building community in the Upper Valley through media. This is Screaming in the Darkness, very special show. We are back. We've been off for a while, and we're back here with David Vincelette, and I'm Ryan Clausen, and we have a special guest on the show today for the first time, my brother, Sean Thomas Clausen. Sean T, a.k.a. Crunchy Bits, joining us in the studio at an undisclosed location. We never tell people where we record the show because and David no is... no one's a, come looking. <laughs> because David is a whistleblower for the pollution. He's been fighting Dartmouth College for decades for them dumping parking lot scraps into the brook. And the people at Dartmouth, they want him arrested and put in jail. And he's been fighting with the town of Hanover for decades. We talk about very sensitive things here, and we're afraid for our safety. And so we never let people know where we are or where we're recording the show. (laughs) I feel so much safer. That's terrible. (laughs) Crunchy Bits is our co-host today. But Dave, I know you are chomping at the bit. This is Screaming the Darkness, where we expose the real truth, what's really going on in life, the things that you just can't get anywhere else. And I know you're chomping at the bit. You have some major updates for the people. What's going on, Dave? Well, I had my 40th year class reunion at Dartmouth. 40th year? Yeah, it was actually 39, but they lumped us in with other classes, so they call it our 40th, but 39th reunion. It was an amazing spectacle where my classmate, who was chairman of the reunion, is now the incoming president of our class, was baptized by another member of our class down at my waterfall. It was just a a magical moment where a bunch of people came together to make it happen, and it was uh, just a high point of my, I would say, of my decade. I was there. It was incredible. I watched your dream happen. You had an African-American, Native American minister in a white robe get into your body of water down there, that waterfall dam, and baptize the president of your class. Yeah, it was awesome. With like 30 people looking on. It was incredible, Dave. Yeah, it was nice. And Ryan made me very proud, and Anna made me very proud. Anna made two beautiful cakes, had cake for everybody. and Ukrainian apple cake. Yeah, it was lovely. Dave, and, and it was great, because that was a positive moment in your life, which is extremely rare that you have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm constantly blessed with amazing things. It's just, this was such a synchronicity. It took decades to come to fruition, and it's just, it still hasn't sunk in. It's going to be talked about by the class and by the school for a long time. Was the president baptized into the Christian faith? Yes. Huh? Yes, and he was a former Muslim. No kidding. Yeah, from Turkey. Converting the Muslims to Christianity right One at, at time. Shantytown. Right in your backyard. Good, <laughs> good job. <laughs> we almost had a couple accidents, but luckily no one was injured this time. The last time we went down there, had a gathering at the waterfall. My mom fell into the waterfall, and I thought she died in my arms. Oh, split her head. Yep, split her head, rushed to the hospital. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. And in this time, another woman slipped and fell. Jesus. <laughs> On her bum. <laughs> another one? On her bum. And then the minister almost went over the, the, really? water, the waterfall. <laughs> really? Should we get some handrails down there or something? It's the beauty of nature. Come on and get baptized in the wonderful baptismal at Shantytown as you slip on a rock and die. Jesus, Jesus. You're in, you're out. Full service baptism. Full service. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> the only way Dave can get anyone to give him attention is to have someone slip and almost die on his property. Then the services will come. Yeah. Yeah. They put a fence across your property. They cage you in like a wild animal for years. Which I am. Which you are. You asked them to come take the fence down. They ignored you for two and a half years while they polluted your brook with parking lots. With yeah. <laughs> with Jesus. With and made us drink from the brook because they had our water shut off. Well, they had everything shut off. They shut your water off. They polluted your brook. You asked them to help with your driveway like the deed says. And they treated us like criminals, but now it's all tr- gone full circle. And they see what we were trying to do with the brook was help people. Help people with the brook. Trying to share, share a sacred place. And it's going to all come down. Hey, Dave, I hear you're back in court soon. What's the deal with that? Monday morning. They arrested me three times for trying to speak at the selectman's hearings. They didn't want me to speak, so first they told me I could no longer speak at the other business portion of the, the meeting. Then they said they wouldn't answer my questions, so for six years they wouldn't answer my questions. And then they started saying, well, you've spoken for five minutes, that's enough. And I realized that they had let other people speak for as much as 20 minutes, so I said, no, I'm not going to leave. So they arrested me. So that went on three times, and finally I I was given a court date, and we had a hearing, and the judge, at the end of the hearing, instead of making a ruling, advised me that we have another hearing. And I'm trying to understand, because my concept of justice is... There's a hearing, and then there's a decision. He made the, the second hearing for months after the first hearing, so I've been in limbo about speaking at select board hearings. You've been trying to speak for over five minutes, and this whole thing is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some... It is kind of hilarious, but you can You've see... You've been arrested by the cops. I've been arrested. I've been silenced. I've been... Dave, you are um, an environmental hero Well, I have that a no du- one knows about. I have a duty under the Constitution. I swore an oath as an officer to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. So I've been patiently going to every level of law enforcement and bringing my case. And just no one cares about and it. nobody so funny. cares. <laughs> and I've been telling you to get over it. Forget about it. Dave, stop droning on about them polluting the water. No one cares. Let it go. Yep. But you don't let it go. I can't. I have a duty. I have a duty. I have a sworn oath. What am I going to do? And I live there right by the brook. We, we, we skinny dip in the brook every day, and I'm not going to give up. The You're not going to give my, up being naked in that brook. Never. Nope. Not as long as I, I can bear the cold. They're trying to take your rights away, Dave. They're trying to take my rights away. And not only do I have a duty to protect my own rights, but I have a duty to stand up for all the guys who didn't come home. What would they think of me if they they thought I'd just let the government trample me and pollute my children? I have to stand up. I have to keep fighting these sons of guns. And it's all going to turn. They've already stopped dumping the stuff. They just haven't admitted what they've done. Dave was a disabled veteran who wasn't receiving his disability pay, so he couldn't pay his property taxes, and they took several of his homes, and they knocked them down. They smashed them down to the ground. <laughs> yep. They didn't like the fact that I built things from the ground up by buying old wrecked buildings and fixing them up with used materials. They thought it was against their zoning because they want people to move in with lots of money, buy a nice home or build a new home, with architectural designs, they looked down their nose at me because I bought properties that were built by low-income people, and they didn't want me building in their town. So they found ways to shut me down and bulldoze my properties. It isn't right, and it's <laughs> all going to come out in the wash. <laughs> I don't think it's, any of it's going to come out ever in any wash. No? Hey, Sean, what do you think, if you were hired as Dave's advisor, 
his life coach advisor. Would you encourage him? Hey, why don't you have how you much, ever thought how about? How much are you charging for? You know, would you ever think about? Hey, Dave, you've been complaining about the town dumping asphalt in your brook for decades. You've been fighting with the town for decades. You've been arrested dozens of times. Would you encourage him? You ever think about just stopping all this? Stopping going to the meetings? Stopping fighting the asphalt? Stop complaining? Stop. Just move on. Get a new hobby. <laughs> you know? Only if it felt right. I mean, he's obviously been doing it for very powerful reasons. So I would say he should keep doing it until he feels like it's time to stop, which, you know, might be never. But I was going to ask, have you had any luck, you know, with the new mayor in town now? Well, there is a new town manager, and he's very interested in making videos about come to Hanover and look at the business. But he hasn't been receptive. It's been a year now that he's been in office. And I called early on, asked him to meet with me, and he's ducked me for a year. So when I go to the selectmen's meetings, I always point that out to him. You have to understand his perspective, though. When he got hired, the whole select board gathered around him and were like, hey, Alex, you got to know about this psycho that comes to all our meetings. His name is Dave. He's insane. He's violent. Why do people have such a thing against insane people? That's true. I agree with you. But I'm just saying, he's a, he's a town manager, and he comes in, and he probably has every member of the select board be like, this guy is a, is a violent, crazy lunatic. Yep. And we've been dealing with him for years. And you can't blame the town manager for listening to his select board. Right. And I point out to him that he was elected by a group of criminals who have hired him <laughs> to hide criminal polluting of, of state waters, which you can see all he has to do is look at the records from the state who found that they were polluting Mink Brook. And they also want to hide the fact that they held human beings in a concentration camp for 25 and a half months. It's never gone before the law enforcement at the state level or the FBI. Now, Dave, when you say concentration camp, do you mean like, uh, you know, I think like Auschwitz and they're like, I'm not saying death camp, but I said oh. it was a place you where said they concentration con- camp. Concentration. Did you, did you mean to say small, flimsy fence <laughs> that they built across your driveway? Dave is angry because the town built a fence across his driveway because they didn't know where his driveway was and they're incompetent. They didn't just build a fence across my driveway. They built a fence completely around my house, including my driveway. Yeah, and then they had, then they gave you a shovel and had you dig trenches all day, and then and they, then they, <laughs> then they, they left their road. They left the road washed out down to their sewer clean out. And when we called for help and said, you know, we were having trouble just even walking on the road, they just laughed at us and left us there for the winter. Never came, never came to check on us, never came to bring wood, water. I have to admit, I still hold it against them. The fire department refused to come, and later the deputy fire chief told me. At your ceremony, at your land, the key word that they talked about was forgiveness. Right. They said that was the word, forgiveness. Do you think it's a, it's time for you to forgive Dartmouth College and the town of Hanover to forgive them for polluting the brook and uh, mistreating you? Does forgiving mean forgetting? No. You don't need to forget, but can well, you I, forgive them, Dave? I, I've forgiven them in such as I'm not going to kill them. <laughs> Which is my initial reaction and my right under the law when our First Amendment rights, our freedom of religion and our freedom of speech is attacked. We're allowed to defend it with arms. I've never done that. I've just I've just attacked them with free speech. I think I've forgiven them pretty well. This is exactly why we record from an undisclosed location, Dave. 
No, I was trained in the arts of war. I could easily attack people and hurt them. I have no interest in doing that. I'm, I'm saved by Jesus Christ, and I'm guilty of, of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and I have no expectation of other people to be perfect. But at the same time, for somebody to go on for 20 years in an office and be silent to the fact that they're polluting town waters where children swim, and then when I patiently bring it to the front, they fight me and fight me and fight me until they finally stop it, but they hold us prisoner. I have trouble with it as far as forgiveness is concerned. I wish I could just forgive and walk away, but I can't walk away. I have a duty. I'm supposed to stop what's going on, and I'm going to educate this new manager. He's been there three times while the police came in and took me out in chains. Never once stood up to protect my rights. I've asked him to talk to me. I've called his office repeatedly. He won't speak to me. My only opportunity is to talk to him at the, at the select board hearings. I keep telling you, you got to bring jokes into that. I know. It's just not, it's just not a, as funny a subject as, I, as you think it is. I'm trying to see the funny, funny in it. I'm just thankful that things have turned now. We've got my grandson. We can focus on playing in the brook yesterday, swimming and laughing and having fun, which is the way it should be. And not only that, but after 40 years down there, there, there was a erosion in the, in the road going down to the waterfall. And it is the town's responsibility because they have sewer infrastructure there. And I called, and they actually came and repaired it. They brought a vehicle right out within two days and scraped it nice and put the old bumps back in that helped drive the rain away from the washing out the road. This is amazing. I think things are going to change. Town managers changed. There's a lot of change in the wind. Don't give up on my long battle. Don't, don't, don't think I need to give up just yet. Never give up. I never want you to give up. I want you to die clutching a chunk of asphalt waste. That's my, <laughs> that's hopefully the way I'll go. And screaming and screaming like you in did. In the darkness. Yeah. Screaming like you did when you went to talk to the president of Dartmouth and then they jumped on you and carried you out in chains. Well, it's easy to scream when they're chaining you hand and foot. Front page of the Valley News, David was handcuffed in chains, screaming, they're polluting our children, they're polluting our children. No one really put, you know, everyone Nobody thought you even just, cared. Well, they thought you were just a lunatic. Yeah. They didn't realize what was really going on. Yeah. But they did listen when you made an observation about the weather vane on top of Baker Library, right? Yeah. Dave's biggest success. Dave's biggest moment of his life, his biggest achievement. No, I think this is bigger than that. Dave, you got $10 billion university to take down their 100-year-old, 600-pound brass... Copper, yeah. Copper weather vane. Yeah, it was important. That's going to be on your gravestone. Probably. Here lies David Vincelette. Son of a bitch who took down the weather vane. <laughs> you should actually try to use it maybe for your gravestone. Remodel it. <laughs> And God, we've been over this before. Your story is riveting. You know, there's nothing people want more while they're driving around town, taking a jog through the park, than to listen to David Vincelette's life and the polluting of the brook with the asphalt and that racist weather vane that they, they had on top of that library. It was, it was demeaning to the native people. He was drug-addicted young man given alcohol by a white guy sitting on a stump that was made by slaves. That's true. Let me slow that down. It is true that, you know, the rich $10 billion institution, Dartmouth College, did use black slaves to clear all their land. And their vision of their school was to basically teach Native Americans Christianity, to convert Native Americans, which is like the most racist <laughs> school aim ever. So the weather vane was actually historically correct. 
what it was, it was basically an advertising slogan that was a uh, competition for the weather vane. And somebody pulled a bunch of different symbols together from Dartmouth's past, the barrel of rum and the pine tree and the Native American and a peace pipe and put it all in one little picture, but it's really just a cameo. It was only built in 1928. It wasn't from the beginning of the college or anything like that. It was just a racist stereotype about Native Americans, and it wasn't a very Christian symbol to make light of the fact that alcohol and tobacco had devastated the Native Americans and that Dartmouth had failed to live up to its promise. It was supposed to be a school for Native American missionaries. It's not. They took the money and ran 200 years before they started admitting Native Americans on a regular basis. So it was just wrong. And this is why I throw my trash in the, the Dartmouth trash receptacles. If there's ever functions around Dartmouth, I go there with Tupperware and take their salmon and their locks. And it's also why I use their bathroom for years to bathe homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they've paid in full. I was like, you racist $10 billion bastards. I'm going to use this school for everything I can. That's what you do, right? I mean, if you have racist, corrupt... They're no longer racist, corrupt. Oh. Well, I mean... So they're, I've, just, they're, been, they're, I've just been breaking into a school to... There to, is some to corruption. Homeless people. <laughs> I've been disappointed with their actions, but they have made a huge turn in 1973, I guess it was, where they started really standing up for their past. The bottom line is there's a baker's dozen functions going on all over the campus daily where there's cheese, crackers, and salmon. No kidding. Everywhere. I believe it. A lot of them are open to the public. There's some speaker from somewhere. They're all generally right. as boring as could be. And there's all these talks going on, endless professors visiting. There's all sorts of functions happening at this $10 billion institution. The amount of free food and half the people who work there are at the disability center that I teach acting to. That whole Dartmouth College is based on these kids with disabilities huh. who feed everyone all this food. Huh. So most of this food is being thrown away. No one's using it. And There's a lot of waste. I have. There's a lot of waste. I saw that. And be and so it's the least we can do. So if you're listening to this, go to Dartmouth. Grab a fork. Bring your Tupperware. Wander around campus until you you stumble into some boring functions and start eating grapes and crackers. Throw your waste out in their trash cans. Use their bathrooms. If you have to have a bowel movement, don't wait till you go home. Shit at Dartmouth. S A D. Use their plumbing. Shit. Use at their Dartmouth. water. Use their toilet paper. That's our job. That's how we right wrongs. Two wrongs make a right. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I have a technical observation. I think David should sit where you're sitting, and you should sit where David's sitting. Yeah, so his mic's closer to his face. He will not bend over to that mic. He's got to have the mic closer. I will try to make a change. That one will be easier for you. Change actually is impossible. It never happens. And the only way you could do it is you got to actually, you have to force change. It's the only way it happens. Yeah. Ooh, let's get into this. Tell us more about this forcing change. Yeah. And before we get into that, I mean, how many times people want to listen to David drone on <laughs> about the asphalt and the brook and you, Dartmouth you College? You got me going. I'm sorry. I apologize to the audience every time we take a left turn I started to with Boring the, City. I started with the baptism. <laughs> we need to hear about... The, <laughs> exactly. You started with a baptism. But it must be nice now being in the brook with your family, your friends, your classmates baptisms and knowing at least that there's there's no more asphalt waste drifting your way right yep. yes that must feel nice very nice 
Yeah. No, I've been blessed with progress. That gives me a taste that things will get even better, I believe. Yeah, celebrate the positives. I am. I know that our listenership is growing. People are talking about the show all over town. They can't oh get gosh. enough. They're dying for the next episode. Yeah. Every time I go for a walk outside, I bump into someone. They go, what's going on with the asphalt? What's up with Mink Brook? How's Dave doing? Tell us the details about that weather vane. I mean, people <laughs> are dying to know. It's true. <laughs> more truth more truth you do hear people talking about dave quite a bit i've noticed that recently too i'll even it. be like at, in, at dartmouth college on a computer and i will hear a, a conversation about david vincelet happening behind me wow you know people are definitely interested because we don't have that many people you know with the guts who actually speak out and feel so passionate that they'll pursue something for year after year after year after arrest after arrest after court battle after court battle after court hearing it's relentless and people are impressed by that that is true some some statistic that the vast majority of people will never stand up to oppression it's not in their like genes right or their conditioning to actually do it they can't do it and they won't do it too tiresome it's emotionally draining it is you should be high you would be, for any cause out there, if they really wanted to succeed, they would want David Vincelet on their team because you just won't stop. That's true. More than anyone I've ever met in my life. It's drained me, though. There are some things in the Bible that say that madness is caused by oppression, living under oppression for long periods of time. That's why postal workers all went crazy, I think. They're oppressed, living under a cloud. It's a viciously male-dominated workforce, too. A lot of angry veterans in there. Holy cow. I worked in there for a, a year, and when they fired me, I was like, thank you, Lord. Where did you work for a year? Post office. I heard you, you live 10 years longer if you work the post office. No, it just feels like it. I met some post office in Lebanon. A guy said he was making $150,000 a year. No kidding. As a mailman, yeah. Yeah, it gets my stamp of approval. Holy cow. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. I don't mess with keys and locks. I just put it in their box. I'm your mailman. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. $100,000. I know. I almost It almost made me think about coming out of retirement. Yeah. You know, I retired 10 years ago. At least, yeah. At least 10 years ago. Every now and again, I go, huh, maybe I should get a job and actually be gainfully employed and make some money so I can... How do you get rid of the feeling? <laughs> I'm working about getting a job. Oh, God. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. How do I get rid of that feeling? It sort of comes and then, you know, you roll a joint. Yeah. Or you eat, some, you eat some mushrooms or something. Yeah. And then you just forget all about it. Huh. And you think you were crazy. You're like, oh, my God. I almost think about working. Ooh. I almost thought about getting a job. I haven't had a job in over a decade. Live with my mom. So happy. Don't have any money. Don't need any money, don't want any money, and oh, shoot. I was blessed with an amazing family. What do I got to say? And recently, you've been asked to serve on a member of a board. Someone's paying attention to what you're doing. It's true. It's incredible. Is this going to be your first board? This is the first board. I'm a member of the Spark Community Center of Disabilities. This place is amazing. I teach acting there every Wednesday. All sorts of disabilities, you name it, from Down syndrome to deaf to blind to the variety is endless. They're the most amazing, nicest people I've ever met in my life. They're so sweet, they're so sincere, noticeably more sweet, more kind, more sincere than the other regular general public that I've encountered yeah. up till now. And I'm like, oh, I've discovered this great place. Everyone there is nicer than, than everywhere else I go. <laughs> I, would, I, I would concur. I just, I just went for the first time, and I have never met friendlier people in my whole life. Become a volunteer at Spark. You know, you can check spark.org. Become a volunteer. It's in Lebanon. John Fenley started it nine years ago. And it's just the greatest, coolest place ever. Someone said you do, you do stand-up comedy or something one of the nights. 
Yeah. Or is it improv? No, it's an improv class. Yeah, Wednesday, 4 o'clock. It's a improv acting class. We play improv acting games. It's tremendous. It's really actually changed my entire life working with these these individuals. There's this one woman who is in the best mood of anyone I've ever met ever. She is so positive. She's all she's just excited and she's so happy and she's blind, mostly blind. And I had a conversation with her, but she can hear really well and she, her sense of touch is really good. Maybe because of her disability or her impairment, just loves people and is so happy. Like she's kind of always almost jiggling with a euphoric joy of being alive and just walks into the room and consistently every week is in that type of mood. Yeah. You know, your average person isn't that happy. No. Your average person walking down the street that you see in a coffee place that's standing in line at the bank that's driving somewhere in a car, walking in a park. If you look at them, yeah, they generally aren't bubbling with joy. Going to their job. Going somewhere. Everyone's so busy. And so we do this activity where we just lay on the ground. We get into a sort of a joyful, I go, hey, we're just going to get really happy and focus on our sunny hearts, this place of delightful joy. And every time I, I'm going to count, I'm going to start counting. And the more I count, the, the more intense this joy is going to become. I've done this with certain groups and it, it can often not really work. People think it's kind of awkward and strange. And they go, what are we doing laying on the ground? When I do it with them, by the time I say number three, People are screaming. People are writhing on the ground, and the whole room is just laughing, 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 laughing. And it's so funny that we completely missed people with disabilities. I had no access to them until I joined this community center. No access, wasn't with them, didn't talk to them, didn't see them. When I first started going there, the way I looked at it was, oh, I go to a community center with people with disabilities. Aren't I a good person? I'm doing a good thing. I'm volunteering. I'm helping these people out. Yeah. But then a couple months in, it's like, oh, I get to go to this place mm -hmm. that's really magical and be with these magical people who teach me how to be a kinder, nicer, more empathetic person because they yeah. are and they're sweeter than me and they're more empathetic and they're more present and it's class. You know, I'm called the teacher. We learn well by being put into environments, you know, like experiential learning. And so going to Spark is like, hey, let's take you and let's surround you with 10 people that are sweet, kind, empathetic, and totally sort of present. Jesus, that yeah. sounds super special. And so volunteer for Spark and give your money to Spark. Fr every Friday, six to eight, there's a, it's game night tonight. Every Friday is a different party. Fridays, six to eight. Sometimes it's dance, sometimes it's singing, sometimes they go on a field trip. They have a movie night. It's called Family Fun Night at Spark, Fridays, six to eight. And they're going to be at the farmer's market all summer long. Lebanon Farmer's Market, Thursdays, four to six, I think it is. So come on by and say hi. The founder of Spark would really like more people, quote unquote, who don't have a disability to come. He wants it to be a place where everyone hangs out. Right. People with disabilities, people without disabilities. Just a question, Ryan. Once you join the board, will David Vincelet be allowed to speak at the board meeting? Only for five minutes or else we'll arrest him. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> David, do you think you could trim it down? Do you think you could limit yourself to five minutes? Can you say everything you have to say in five minutes or is that just asking too much? Do we need the police to be there? These are hard questions. Dave, you can do it. Make it a five-minute stand-up comedy set. Yeah, Work it. I know. I get know. up there. Bang, bang, bang. Joke, joke, joke. Right on five minutes. Thanks. Good night. You've been great. Yeah, I was thinking about doing something like that. Never comes out that way. Yeah, it's always, over, it's, it's always, always, always comes out, it always comes out angry and mad, and you go, you guys are a bunch of corrupt liars. Well, they are. This whole place is out of order. Does David need someone there to sit beside him and just give him a little 
bit of a nudge now and then if he, he starts getting off the railroad tracks. Chains would be good. Change? Chains. Oh, chains. We should get like all my female friends. We should get a bunch of Both women. Of them? To <laughs> the one girl I met when I was five from <laughs> kindergarten. We should get all the women just to have you walk in with like a team of women. 15, 20 beautiful yes. women in dresses. None in drag. Some drag too. Oh, maybe. Why not? Just to change your image up a little bit. You would make you a little less scary, I think. Yeah, why do people think I'm scary? Maybe if you went in dressed in a onesie. You ever thought mm. of that? I don't have a onesie. You got a furry onesie with the hat. With a bunny rabbit tail? Yeah, something. And you got the pullover, the hood with the ears. That's the most important part. I think that's a go. 100% go. Yeah. Let's go to Listen and look for that. I wonder if they have them. Listen, by the way. People love Listen because it's a nonprofit organization and they sell a bunch of cheap stuff. But then their CEO was just caught stealing like millions of dollars. Seriously? Yeah. Really? I was wondering why their prices went up He was taking the money and going to gamble at the the casino. No. No kidding. By the way, there's a casino in town. No one. Yeah, I there is. I know. People go, what? I go, yeah, there's a full-on casino. A full people casino. are gambling. It's right across the street from the nonprofit Listen that helps poor people. This yeah. guy was just He's taking the, the money, money off and going take... across the street, putting money on the roulette tables. No kidding. <laughs> and he lost like a quarter of a million dollars that they know about. Holy cow. Don't they have any checks and balances over there? I guess not. Well, they caught him. They caught him, I guess. Years ago, my daughter told me, she said, Dad, I don't like shopping over at Listen because everything has a certain smell. I said, yeah, that's why they call it listen, not smell. Uh, Dave, cut that, uh, Dave or editor, cut that last joke out of here. <laughs> delete that last joke Either out of Either delete it or just add crickets right after it. Add some crickets. And in the beginning, too, in the whole beginning of this thing, you're going to need to either speed that up. That was the best Slice and cut it, because it was about 25 minutes of, of, of drudgery. Okay, I think we've had enough. I apologize. Thank you for listening to this Jam podcast. If you have found this program interesting and would like to find more Upper Valley content or learn how to produce your own media, please visit us at uvjam.org.